here. Um, and, you know, we've been going through this series on transformation, uh, and it's been a great series. We've gotten this um, a great understanding of our values and our vision statement, uh, which is lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and the values help us support that vision statement, help us actually do it practically. Uh, and so it's been, it's been a great ride, and, and I'm excited to finish the series today. So today's the last day that we're going to talk about it, uh, and next week, as you heard from Jake, we're going to have a baptism service and what's called our celebration service, and we're going to hear stories of what God has been doing and what he's been up to in our body. So I'm excited about that as well. But um, as we get started here, let me see a show of hands. How many of you have screened the church's calls when you know someone's calling to ask you for to, to do something? Anybody? Anybody? Two or three? Okay, we're not being honest because I know some of you have screened my calls. Um, it, it is a challenging thing to volunteer, and, and there's no lie, there's no secret about that. And, and there's a reason why. I would say that if you're tired of volunteering, um, then this message is for you. That's right. I'm going to talk about mission, and I'm telling you that if you're tired of volunteering, this message is for you. So um, I think we have a problem. I think we have a problem in the, the Western church, the, the capital C church, if you want to call it that. Um, and I think that problem actually, full transparency, exists here at Grace Chapel. I do. I think that there's a problem. And the problem is, is that we've been going about mission all wrong. And that's what we get to talk about this morning is transformative mission. And how does mission fit into our vision statement? And, and what is mission? And how, do we, uh, how are we to be a part of it? If I talk about transformational mission as a value and you get a little worried that I might recruit you or, or somebody here at Grace might recruit you for a job, I'd say that we probably have a problem. Jake calls it voluntold, right? Have you ever been voluntold to do something? Hey, we need this thing done and we don't really care if you want to do it or it brings you joy to do it. It just needs to get done. So can you just show up and do it, Right? That's a common message at church, and, and unfortunately, it's a common message here at Grace Chapel. And I think that if we look at our passage this morning, I think we're going to find a new way to look at mission. And I'm excited about it. This new uh, perspective is going to take the pressure off us. Doesn't that seem nice? Doesn't it seem wonderful? So check this out. You might think I'm going to be right reading the, uh, the greatest uh, or, or the... Uh, the greatest commandment, but actually I'm going to turn to John chapter 17. Before I dig into the word, let's open in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity we have to be here. Um, Lord, it's, it's fun and exciting to see the seasons change and to, to have the weather turn so cold. Lord, I ask that what you do here this morning would warm us. <laughs> That we would, we would feel that the, the, the pressure of volunteering, of being a part of the mission, of doing, 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 that that pressure would come off. And Lord, that we would discover again why we've come here. And that reason is you, Lord. So be real to us this morning. Be in our midst and move us to a place uh, where we are excited to be a part of your kingdom. In your name, amen. Okay, here we go. John Chapter 17. Now, before I read it, this is Jesus' last prayer to the Father before he is um, tried, convicted, and crucified. So that's where we pick this up. He is in the Garden of Gethsemane. His disciples are nearby sleeping, okay? And he is praying, and, and, it's, and one version says that he's literally sweating blood. He's so um, distressed. 
Okay, so this is a very intense time. This is Jesus' last prayer, and this is what he says. We're going we're gonna to jump into the middle of it in verse 20 of chapter 17, and you can read along with me here. So this is what Jesus says. My prayer is not for them alone. And he was praying about the disciples earlier. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. So he's praying about us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Now here's the good part. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Wow. That changes things a little bit. Here's a statement that raises eyebrows in the church. Are you ready? We as Christians are not here to change the world. Do you know that? Christians are not here to change the world. Our chief calling isn't to make this place a better place. God didn't look down and go, whoa, that's a mess down there. I'm sure glad the church is there to fix it. <laughs> church, let me know when it's fixed and I'll come back. Right? That's not the plan. And if you think for just a minute or if you think just a little bit that that's the plan, bad things can happen to your perspective and your passion and your joy. And Jesus told us what we were to do. He told us what to do. John 13, 34 through 35. I'll just read it quickly. A new command, Jesus says, I give you. He said this to his disciples. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must want love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. And he also said in Matthew 22, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the first and the great, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on to say, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That is the mission. And sometimes I liken this to inhaling and exhaling. And we get this wrong in the, in the church, the capital C church, and we get this wrong sometimes here at Grace Chapel. We expect you to exhale before you inhale. So you inhale and you understand the love that God has for you and you understand your identity and the fact that the gospel is the fact that Jesus came and he died and he rose again for you because he chose you and he values you and he loves you. You inhale that information and that truth and then you exhale the mission. And so what we do in the church is we say, exhale. I need, I need so many people to show up here and do exhale. Give away but, but we haven't inhaled yet. And if you exhale before you inhale, as you know, you suffocate. <laughs> it's not pleasant. And I've done this to myself, and I've done this to other people time and time again. We have, as a church, we have gotten really good at getting people to exhale. We've been really good at that. But maybe we haven't taught people how to inhale very well. And in my Thursday night life group, we're going through the book of James, and we're only in chapter 2, and we've already discovered that the entire book of James 
It's about learning how to bolster your faith, learning how to grow your faith by doing things. Inhaling is loving God and understanding the gospel and why he chose me, why he wants to die for me, why he died for me. That's inhaling. And when you're doing that, it's impossible not to exhale. And so it's like this dance. You have to inhale the knowledge that God loves you, and then you, can't, you, you reach a point and you can't inhale anymore. And then you got to exhale, and you got to give this stuff away. And once you're done exhaling, you got to inhale again, and it's this dance, and it goes around and around and around. You can really only love God so much before you have to do something about it. And we see this in Scripture over and over and over. We see it in James. We see it in the, the book of John. We see it in all, all over the place. You can only really love God so much before you have to do something about it. But it even gets better than that. It gets way better than that. And in your bulletin, the first statement is transformational mission is not rooted in accomplishment. It's not rooted in accomplishment, but in unity with the Father and with each other. That's where it starts. We don't love our neighbor because the Bible tells us to. That's not why, although the Bible does tell us to. We don't love our neighbor because our parents want us to. We don't love our neighbor because this church or any other church tells you to love your neighbor. We love our neighbor because we are overwhelmed with the love that God has for us. And I think in the church, especially in today's day and age, we focus so much on telling people to love their neighbor that we've forgotten how to really lean into the love that God has for us. If we try to exhale before we inhale, we suffocate. And if we try to change the world or fix everyone or volunteer for all the things that Pastor Josh calls and asks me about, right? If we do all that stuff, we start to get frustrated because it's not a dance. We're not inhaling as much as we're exhaling. Here's a sad truth. People across the West are leaving the church at a shocking rate. Never seen this many people this fast leave the church as a whole. The interesting thing is, is though, and there's all these studies that show this, those people leaving the church are not leaving their faith. They just don't want to be a part of the church anymore. And when asked, they give all sorts of reasons, but they still love Jesus. So you're going, what's going on? Why are these two things, why is this happening? But here's the problem. Inhaling without, or, or, I'm sorry, it's, it's not about what we do, it's about who we love. And I think in the church, and, and I'm sorry if, if you've heard this even from me, but in the church we focus so much on what we do that we've forgotten it's about who we love. Now, I'm telling you to inhale this morning. And I'm telling you to prioritize the inhaling of God's love. You need to understand what God thinks of you. And if you have a problem with that, if the first thing you look at in the mirror in the morning when you see your face is, man, I don't get it. <laughs> Why would he love someone like me? There's a problem there. But we can take even this too far. And as a pastor and as a leader in the church, this is one of my fears. One of my fears is, is that if I tell you guys to inhale so much that you'll never exhale. 
But here's the, here's the deal. Inhaling without exhaling is as bad as exhaling before you inhale. We all deep down inside can make really good excuses as to why we don't want to participate or we don't want to help. Whatever it is that you're thinking about helping in. And I can come up with every reason under the sun why I shouldn't show up and why I shouldn't work. I can, and I'm good at it. But we can't talk ourselves out of a uniquely, um, out of uniquely loving our neighbor the way God has called us to because it takes us out of our comfort zone. Or because the, we would rather spend more time with the friends that we've known for longer. Instead of making new friends, we spend time with the old friends, right? We choose that. And this is a problem because I can't help you with this problem. <laughs> the only person that can help you with talking yourself out of, of, of volunteering is Jesus. And so this is why you have to lean into the relationship that you have with him. And you have to trust him. And he will guide you into the things that you're supposed to be doing. I can't do that. All I can do and all the church can do is offer opportunities. Hey, we've got this opportunity. You could come help if you want. We got this one. You got this one. We got this one. What do you want to do? What do you think God wants you to do? This is why, second statement in your bulletin, transformational mission is powered by our own continuous transformation. That's what the mission is powered by. It's not powered by your will or how much extra time you have when you're, when you're off work. It's not powered by, um, um, you know, an overseas ministry opportunity that is a great opportunity and a big need. It's not powered by that. It's powered by your own transformation. And as you are transformed, your mission gets clearer and clearer and clearer, and you understand what God has for you. And the more the Spirit transforms us, the more power and ability and energy and dedication we have to be a part of His transformational mission. So then the question is, is how do you let yourself be transformed? We know that it's not you. We know that it's not about how much data you retain in your brain. We know that it has something to do with the spirit and the opportunities God shows us. How do you let yourself be transformed? Well, if you listen carefully in our text, and you go back and read it, we have to unite to the Father. When we unite to the Father, according to Jesus, in his last prayer here on earth, the world knows. And that's where our, our mission starts, uniting with the Father and uniting to us. Then, in verse 23 of chapter 17, then the world will know who Jesus is and why God sent him. Here's another struggle we have when it comes to mission or the things that we do physically as Christians to serve our church or to serve our mission field or whatever. And this is one that I can speak a lot about because I'm really good at it. It's, it's the struggle of comparison. We compare ourselves to other people. And, and this is my constant battle with Facebook. And I rain on Facebook in here and I don't mean to. It, I'm sure it's a great tool for many people. But for me, it's not. And here's why. 
It's supposed to be like this community tool, right, that like connects all these people and you can stay in contact with people you went to high school with, whether they, you, they liked you or not. You could stay in contact with all these people and it's this great connector, right? Oh, great. We can connect to all these people. But the problem is all those connections are built on a facade, at least a lot of them, because I don't want to show you all the, the real stuff about my life. I want to show you all the good stuff about my life, Right? That person's going to Haiti. That person's given all their life savings to orphans. And what am I doing? I'm sitting watching football on Monday night, right? And I go, oh my gosh, my life is horrible. <laughs> I compare myself to them. And, and ironically, even the comparison is fake. At least it is typically in social media. We were each called to run our own race. And the only person that can tell you if you're running your race is Jesus. And he did it on purpose. That's the way that God set this up on purpose so that we would have to rely on a relationship with him to know if we're accomplishing what he wants us to accomplish. At any given point, there's probably a dozen pastors that I compare myself to. And it's like this instinctual thing. I just compare myself to whatever is going on in the people that I know, and it tears me down. And I forget that it's my race that I'm going to be held accountable to. It's not my pastor buddy's race that I'm going to be held accountable to. He's accountable to his own race. I'm accountable to my race. And when I get to heaven and I sit down with Jesus, after I cry for like 24 hours, I'm going to sit down with Jesus, and he's going to say, Hey, Josh, why didn't you run Matt's race? No, of course he's not going to say that. He's going to say, how did you run the race that I gave you? The race that was built for you with your opportunities and all the things that I asked you to do. How did you do that one? Not anybody else's. It doesn't matter what they are doing. You work on what God has called you to do. Statement number three, three. Transformational mission is, is a calling that is unique to each person. You cannot compare yourself to others when it comes to a calling. Now let's just think about this textually for a minute. This guy Abraham, way back in Genesis 12, he was called to be a trendsetter, to just start a journey. God said, just, just start a journey. You got everything going for you, just start a journey. And once you're on the journey, then I'll tell you a little bit more about the journey and the destination. Just, just start it. So he was a trendsetter. He, was, he started a lot of things. Think about Moses. He's a mouthpiece. Or Joshua, a warrior. A warrior leader called to, to, to go in and conquer the land for the, prom, the promised land for the people. And you fast forward to the New Testament. The apostles, or, or even the apostle Paul, the first church planter. Can you imagine if Paul was like, hey, hey, God, I mean, I'm really good with hand-to-hand -hand combat. Can I, can I run Joshua's race? That would be good. If I ran Joshua's race, and Joshua could start all the churches. God's going, no, 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 no. I didn't give you that skill set. I gave you that skill set. Run your race. And Paul, in Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verse 11, says, so Christ gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. And the whole idea is that we're a body, that we're all put together. So our calling is unique to each person. 
You're the only one that can fully understand what God has called you to do. And you're the only one that knows if you're doing it or not. I can't tell you if you're doing it. I can only tell you, talk to Jesus. He'll confirm with you if you're doing the things that he's calling you to do. I know this can be confusing and frustrating, and I've been there too. Maybe you're working in a ministry that seems to be going nowhere, and you're putting your time and effort and energy and maybe even your money into this thing, and and you're wondering, well, should I make a change? I don't know if I'm really accomplishing all the things that I'm supposed to be accomplishing. After all, I'm supposed to change the world with this thing, and it doesn't really seem like it's working. Here's a really hard one for me to say, but I'm going to be bold. Are you going to a church? Have you been going to a church forever, and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere, and you're wondering, man, am I in the right place? Is this the right thing for me to do? And as much as I hate to see people leave this wonderful place, I would rather you leave Grace Chapel and find the thing that God has for you than to stay here and go, I'm not going to listen to what God has for me. I want you to inhale deeply. Inhale the things that God says about you, the value that he's placed on you. Understand deeply what he's done for you. And right when you're about to explode, exhale all the stuff that he's called you to do. And you have to do it over and over and over. We can get turned around, we can get confused, we can get distracted by comparing ourselves to other people. Should I do this? Should I do that? Whatever it is you sink your teeth into, make sure you're called to it. And if you're not sure if you're called to it or not, ask the one who saved you, the one who's designed your race for you. Ask him if you're called to it. According to Jesus' own words, the ministry that you're supposed to be a part of needs to have at least two things at the top of the priority list. And here they are. Statement number four. Transformational mission communicates Christ's identity, who he is, and it, and, it, and it communicates Christ's motivation. So that statement is transformational mission communicates Christ's identity and Christ's motivation. Whatever it is that you're doing needs to have something to do with those two things. And if you look at our passage, again, Christ's identity is that he is sent from the Father. That's what Jesus is praying that God would allow him to do in these last moments of his life here on earth, that people would know that I'm from the Father. That's what he said. That's, my, that's what I want. I want people to know that Jesus is from the Father. And the second thing is, is why he came from the Father, his motivation. He wants the world to know that God loves the world. Is the thing that you're feeling called to or think you should do, is it doing that? Is it helping those messages move forward? If it's not doing that, then I'd start asking. <laughs> Lord, is this the thing, the place that you have for me? Here's the main idea this morning, the main thing that I want you to understand. Transformational mission exists not to change the world, but to unite to Christ who is changing the world. And you might roll your eyes and say, that sounds like semantics. Sounds like you're splitting hairs. 
but it's so important when it comes to our motivation. We're not here to change the world. We're here to unite to Christ, who is changing the world. I think the church is missing this. We've jumped over the whole unite to Christ thing, and we've gone right to changing the world. And we're wearing Christians out by the thousands. They're done. It's over. They don't want to be a part of it. I'm sick and tired of being asked to do all this stuff when I can't even look in the mirror and like what I see. The church should be about connecting with the living Messiah, Jesus Christ, the one who came, died, and rose again for your sake. That's what it should be about. (laughs) A preacher I listen to sometimes says, Do you know anyone else that predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off? Let's go with what he says. Let's do what he says to do. That's the why. If you think God's mission is dependent on you working it, or you think that this is just about your motivation to just get up and and fix the stuff that you see is broken, here's the thing. You're always going to be tired. You're always going to feel worn out. You're always going to feel exhausted. You're always going to struggle with coming up with the passion that you think probably should be there because you're trying to do it on your own. And when your pastor calls you and says, hey, can you help me with this thing? You can go, oh, yeah, I know I'm supposed to. Christians are supposed to change the world after all. But if you understand and agree that our job is to unite with Christ, then God will do the work through us. It's an absolute joy. It's a passion. It's exciting. And you can see struggles as opportunities where God will show his power. I want you to serve in this church. I want to see you transformed, and I want to see that transformation transform this church. And so there's a lot of things that I want you to do, but above all, I want you to be called to it. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to love it. And you might say, well, man, you called me last to, to, to shovel the, the sidewalks with snow. How is that sharing with the world who Christ is? But you're part of something that is trying to do that. So how do we do this this morning? What, what, is it that, what are the things that we should be doing in order for this to happen? I just want to speak for a second about how you think about yourself. So the first thing is, is how do you treat yourself? How we treat ourselves tells us a lot about the things that we believe. And, and, and I'm a mutterer, in case you don't know this about me, so I'm like working in the, in the barn or I'm working in the backyard or something and I mutter to myself and I, and I, and I do, and my wife laughs at me, right, because I'm always muttering. But a lot of times I'm talking to myself about myself. And if you listen closely, I have this nasty habit of insulting myself. And whenever I make a mistake or I hit my hammer on my thumb on a hammer or, or hammer on a thumb, there we go, yeah, hit my hammer, thumb on a hammer. Um, anytime I make a mistake, it's like, oh man, like, idiot, why did you do that? Why did you make that decision? Why did you say that? Why did you act that way? And I constantly have this beating myself up thing. 
And it's because a lot of times I just don't buy it. My, my, my brain understands that God loves me and died for me and that I'm valuable and that I'm worthy. But my heart says, are you kidding me? No way. And I have this battle inside of me of really believing what God thinks of me. So how you treat yourself should tell you a lot about how much you believe that God loves you. And the second thing is, is how you treat us. How you treat the people that are like you. How do you treat the people that you're comfortable with? How you treat people here at church? How you treat people that you know well says a lot about how you feel about yourself. You buy into the gospel, you understand it with your head maybe, but, but with your heart maybe that's a tougher process. And then how you treat the people that you know says a lot about that. How you treat those whom aren't like you, the newcomers, the people that think differently, the people that vote differently, the people that like to do things that, that you maybe don't like to do, the outsiders of your life. How you treat those you don't know or maybe are, are meeting for the first time says a lot about who, about how you treat us and how you treat yourself. How you treat those who aren't like you says a lot about how you are deepening how much you've been inhaling the love God has for you. To inhale and exhale deeply means you first, you remember the gospel and God's love for you. And the second is that you exhale the calling that he's placed on you. And when you do this over and over and over, it deepens your transformation and your understanding of God. When you do this, you will live out the calling that he's placed on you. And that's the transformational mission that is part of our vision here. It allows you to have passion and joy for the things that you're doing. And when the phone rings and you pick it up and it's me and I say, hey, can you? You're going to be like, yeah, I can't wait. What is it? Because I figured out that God loves me so much. I, I can't inhale anymore. Now I have to exhale. Yeah, what is it? What do you need me to do? I'll do it. Oh, man, I can't do that. <laughs> but Joe can. No. Whatever it is, it's that joy because you've understood who you are and how much God loves you. We're not here to change the world. We're here to unite to Christ who is in the process of changing the world. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, Thank you for this opportunity to, to just sit here and breathe deeply. Lord, and I ask that if there's anybody in this room that has been exhaling for way too long, they're worn out, they're tired, maybe they're even frustrated, God, I ask that you would prompt them to inhale your love, to breathe deeply in the knowledge that you love them and you came here and you died for them. God, it's good to dwell on those things. And God, I ask that as a church, as a body, as your bride, that we could understand our worth and our value because of your death and your resurrection. That we would know that this isn't anything that we're doing or how special we are on our own, but it's because you chose us. And you chose us even in our sin. 
Lord, help us to breathe deeply and help us to find joy in the mission that you've called us to. We love you, Lord, and we thank you so much for loving us and calling us. In your name, amen.